So our scripture reading this morning is Exodus chapter 10, verse 21 through 29. And our message today is entitled, well, The Ten Plagues. This is the Lord's word. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses said, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take of them to serve the Lord our God. And we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you shall die. Moses said, As you say, I will not see your face again. May the Lord bless us in the hearing of his holy word. As many of you know, our series for the next weeks or so is on Exodus chapter 1 through 18, the God who delivers. And if you've been following along in our weekly devotionals that are on our website, you'll see that we are going passage by passage through chapter 1 through 18. And every Sunday when we gather here to worship God, we hope that together as we read during the week and as we hear God's message on the pulpit, that God would once again reinforce in our hearts about who he is, the grandeur of his holiness and justice, the grandeur of his grace and his mercy, that we will leave this place in awe of a God who will not be taken for granted, but a God who will make his glory known, and a God who will love, not according to the whims of humanity, but according to his own character as the God of love. We see here in this passage 
the ninth of the ten plagues. There were eight plagues before this. And these first nine plagues are a cycle of three plagues that are put together. And as each cycle of three plagues passes, the tension increases. And God's very nature becomes known to all people. Everyone can see by this time in plague nine that God is going to win. It's like watching the Super Bowl. In the beginning, everyone knows who's the favorite and it's close for a while. But then as the game goes on, you, you can see sort of what's going to happen barring some miracle. Everyone knows. Everyone hopes against hope, but everyone knows. Here in this, in this ninth plague, we see sort of the culmination of, of the theater between God and the Egyptian gods, Moses and Pharaoh, Aaron and the magicians. And we see that God himself will not be denied his victory and his people will be released to worship him. What's interesting in this ninth plague is that we see that Pharaoh has seen over and over again what God has done. And as each plague progresses, God pulls away a little bit of Pharaoh's, well, justification of thinking that the gods of Egypt are at least equal with the God of Israelites. Remember in the beginning, this wasn't even the first plague, it was the first miracle. When, when Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go, right? And Moses threw down the staff. What did the Pharaoh's magicians do? They did the same thing, right? They threw down their staffs. And they turned into snakes as well. As the narrative continues, as we, the plagues are revealed, we see that by this time at the end, the magicians are nowhere to be found. Nowhere. The magicians had given up. They've relented. They've understood that even their little shows of magic in the beginning may have appeased Pharaoh for a bit. But as the plagues got harder and harder, they realized that they could not replicate what the God of Yahweh was doing. And what's amazing about this is that Pharaoh still hardened his heart. Pharaoh saw that his magicians cannot do what Aaron was doing, but Pharaoh still hardened his heart. Even signs and miracles to Pharaoh could not turn him aside. But I think for myself, what 
really sort of just boggles my mind was when God began to distinguish between the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were, and the land of Egypt. There were plagues that would occur in Egypt that would not occur in the land of Goshen. The livestock God struck down, but only the livestock of the Egyptians. Every livestock of the, of the Israelites were fine. Nothing happened to them. Everyone saw what God was doing. Everyone saw that Yahweh was making a distinction. And yet, Pharaoh could not see. And then here in the ninth plague, and believe me, this is every Christian's dream. This is every Christian's dream. The plague of darkness. Think about it. There was no light anywhere on Egypt. The only place there was light was in Goshen, where the Israelites resided. What a great sign that is. Think about that. Think about that. Like if you were to walk around campus, you were to walk around the world, and everyone else was dark, but you had this little light, light beam on you and you're walking around, right? You yourself would see the light. You see someone else with the light. Goes, hey, man, you, know, you and I, we follow Jesus. And the world could see that and say, oh, my goodness, there's, where are you getting this light from? That's my dream. To me, that's, like, that's what I want like assurance of faith to look like. And yet, Pharaoh still hardened his heart. And in fact, not only was his heart hardened, he became angrier and angrier and angrier against God, against Moses, against the people of Israel. This is a picture for us, brothers and sisters, of how none of us, none of us can follow God without a new heart. No amount of evidence will ever convince someone to follow the Lord. No amount of miracles will ever convince someone to follow God himself. The best that you can do is show that it's a good possibility. In the 20th century, the, the French, French existentialist Jean-Paul Sartre, he himself was in a conversation with a Christian and as he was arguing with him about the merits of Christianity, in the end, this French existentialist philosopher said, basically at the end, he said, all right, you convinced me. So what? So what? And you could hear the contempt. You see, brothers and sisters, We ourselves are in need 
of God's mercy. And when you pray for brothers and sisters, they themselves continue to need God's mercy. And especially those who you want to come see to know the Lord. You must get on your knees and continue to pray for a new heart. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, made hard. Ours is the same. And we ask the Lord always to soften our hearts. Another thing that we see in this passage is we no longer see the mediator of Aaron and the magicians. Well, the magicians have been gone for a while. But God this time is saying, God, no, God instead of saying, Moses, you'll be like God unto you'll be like God unto the people. Aaron will be your prophets, your prophet. And you, Moses, will tell Aaron your prophet what to do, and he'll do it. Just like the gods of Egypt, remember, Pharaoh was their god, and the magicians was their prophets, and they would do everything that Pharaoh told them to do. This time the magician is gone, Aaron is gone. It's just Moses and Pharaoh. And God tells Moses, you, representing me as God to the people, you raise your hand. You stretch out your hand. You strike them down. You, sorry, turn everything dark. And God does. Everything becomes dark except for Goshen. Now what's beautiful, if I can say this, about the order of the plagues, the ninth is the one of darkness. From one to eight, we see Plagues that have to do with livestock, have to do with, with, um, with, with livelihood, have to do with boils in your skin, have to do with everything that has to do with life. And in many ways, what we're seeing is that God through these plagues is showing Israel and Egypt that he is the God of creation, and he's the God who sustains creation. And each one of these things that he strikes it's a sign to Egypt that I created, but I, I can also decreate. I can also take creation away. And in the ninth and ninth plague, before the final one, it is interesting, but no accident. That is the plague of darkness. Remember Genesis chapter one. All was dark. There was nothing. And then God said what? Let there be light. God in his final plague in this cycle of three is relating to you and I and to the people of Egypt and Israel that he can make everything go back into nothingness utter complete darkness, utter complete uncreation, and that no one else, no one else can claim that they can do. 
This is the God the Israelites recognized. Pharaoh himself was mad. Brothers and sisters, this darkness is not something that is trivial. For those of us who, who understand, right, we, we understand that without light, there is no life. Without light, there is no heat, there's no energy. Without light, there is no way that life can subsist. God himself is saying that I am the one who created it. As we go on, as we learn about what God is going to do, we, we can see forward to the Passover, and we'll see how the Passover itself is a recognition that the birth of Christ is the answer to the nine plagues before. So we'll see that in the arch of redemptive history, that our created, that our sinfulness that has continually decreates all of people and decreates all of society and the creation itself. But the only response to, to hold back and to, and to bring glory back into all of creation and to humanity is for God himself to appear as that Passover lamb. You see, it's no accident that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. It is no accident when Jesus comes and gives life to all things. There's no accident when Jesus, when Paul says that in him, all things hold together. What is it that is not making this creation fall apart? What is it that is not allowing us to be at each other's throats 24-7? What is it that allows sort of scientific knowledge to continue on? What is it that allows us this little rock in the universe still spin. It is God himself. It is Christ himself. All of these things are sustained in him. But even greater than that, brothers and sisters, Unlike what we see in Genesis in, in Exodus here, we see that God's purposes is not only to sustain, but to one day bring into perfection all that should have been. God's light will shine powerfully in you. God is waiting to restore you fully. God is waiting to put the hope of glory in you. I know as young people here, it's really hard to hear. It's really hard to hear that God cannot fix everything now. God cannot fix my family now. 
God cannot fix my body now. God cannot fix everything now. It's hard to hear when you're young. But as you grow in the Lord, you may see all the the chaos that happens and occurs. But the hope of Jesus that lives in you will enable you to say, even though Life cannot be completely fixed the way I want to today. God's light still shines upon me. Even though I see darkness wherever I may go, the light of his spirit still resides in me. Even though I do not know my future holds, And even though I'm saddened and mourn about my past, the light of God's future awaits me. And so don't be like Pharaoh and harden your heart because things aren't going your way. God throws us Bits of providential love every day. How do I know that? You're here. (laughs) You got people around you who love you. Be thankful for what God has given. We know the story of Exodus. There's going to be lots of ups and downs. But in the end, we know that it ends in Christ and you being in Christ. Rejoice in him. Rejoice in the Lord who loves you. Rejoice in the light of Christ that shines in you. You may not have that spotlight on you as you walk around, but God's light shines within you. Open your eyes. See that God is at work. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we see in in the 10 plagues, really your, your holiness and your justice above all else. And we see that that holiness and that justice is merited. But we also see your grace and your mercy, the way you saved your people. And through that, we know that one day you will save all those who come to know you. And you will do it through your son, Jesus, the only light of the world. He who casts out all darkness. Lord, as we live this life here, Father, there's much sadness. There's much, many things in our past. But Father, we know that you allow all things, Lord God, so that your light shines even brighter. For indeed, as we confess today, Lord, the valley is the place of vision where we are 
where things look the darkest, there you shine the brightest. So Lord, we pray that, Lord, as individuals and as a church, that we will rely upon you, glorying in your presence. And Lord, as a community that follows you, we pray that all people who see us and watch us love one another and watch us love you, they would see that light and be drawn away from their darkness to see and to know you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.